0: Life, and the life we give to others, is the greatest reward. Listen to our guests reward us with their life and life's journey, today on the Esquivelio Show. We'll hit record already. Welcome to the Esquivelio Show. I'm your host, Ryan Michael Esquivel. You know, sometimes I forget my own name. I just go right into the guest because I'm just so excited. I'm pumped. I'm ready to make an impact. That's right. When you give the punch, kick, you're making an impact, people. And when you get into other people's life, you are making an impact. No matter if it's good, bad, ugly, don't matter. It's an impact, people. Make an impact. And today... We're making an impact with Jeremy Roderuck. Before we get started, I want Jeremy to say hello to the Esquivelli Vampire. Hello there. Nice to meet you. Now, Jeremy is, you know, he is every everything you want in a friend, a listener, a companion, because he is a great listener friend and companion he's married he's an army veteran and his job is so unique from the time he was in the military from the time he's sitting with us right now everything he does is designed people when you think of combat engineer you're thinking of marriage i'm telling you marriage can be very physical combat mental combat (gasps) just that impact combat and an engineer where you're going to build something build that perfect life which you know that could be a far dream of reality people just keep it simple but build it if you build it things will you know you have this image of what is perfect in your mind the blueprints if you will and then what actually is the outcome is wonderful far beyond what people even imagine. And when I sat down with Jeremy, that was, I had this, this image of Jeremy from his Facebook to, you know, and then once I got down and sit with him, people, trust me, he's full of knowledge, full of wisdom, and he's ready to make an impact. So Jeremy, let's make an impact. Tell the Empire all about Jeremy Road
1: All right, let's do this. So, um, first, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am very excited. Love the intro and I love your energy. It's just, it's on point. And something you said just in the very beginning about your shoulds, your blueprint and your is what your life is that, that we'll touch on later, I'm sure, but that's exactly on point. Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, I'm actually a sixth degree Kung Fu master. I have been studying martial arts formally for over 23 years. I am former military. Uh, I was in the Army Reserve, and um, I did my boot camp at Fort Lost in the Woods, aka Fort Thomas. Uh, I'm sorry, Fort um, Fort Leonard Wood. Yeah, that was it. I was like running my brain. I'm like, wait, no, because it's Fort Thomas, Kentucky is where I was where I was assigned in, in Kentucky. But yeah, Fort Lost in the Woods, Fort Leonard Wood. Yeah, how can you forget? Oof, we got there a week before July 4th and didn't leave until like almost Thanksgiving. Um, and the weather went from like sweating down your shorts. I've never felt so much sweat in my life. To I'm freezing, and we're in a building with heat, and I'm still freezing. Which was it was just a crazy experience. So it definitely makes some good soldiers. Um, uh, I also have done factory work. I've done corporate work. I've been a consultant. Um, I speak. I write. I I coach um, families and parents, and I, I coach especially dads. Dads are one of my faves. Um, I help families get just more clarity with each other. What we say is, play the game of love at a higher level. So live and love more. And I've wanted to be a dad since I was nine years old. Um, I actually started my midlife crisis young. Um, I started about six years old with, why am I here? What's my fate? What's the purpose? What's the meaning? And it made me a very, very interesting child, um, but not an easy one to raise. So you know, a lot of a lot of love and respect to my parents, and a lot of apologies to them now as a dad going, man, I just I made it so hard on you guys. I'm so sorry. But my mom did utter that famous curse. May you have a child just like you, which I have one. Uh, when I was four, I climbed on the roof of the house. And my four year old, if she could find a tree would try to climb on the roof of the house. So she's amazing. Um, she was on a leash growing up just like me and, and actually my dad. So you do what you got to do to uh get to the outcome, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think uh, leash is a great metaphor for uh, boundaries. Absolutely. I, I think about it. looking Backward, my parents, you know, we're trying to set those. And, of course, we need to set those boundaries. But with our, with our, of course, with our work and our relationships. And I find that the more I try to separate the two, I find that everything is the same. Where if I don't set boundaries in my own marriage, because everybody knows Escobar Pire, um that we have, you know, there's boundaries in marriage and the things that we don't do. and But there's things that we do do and talk about and stuff like that. But I, I want to, first of all, thank Jeremy for his service to this great nation of America.
1: And thank you, sir. And thank you for your service, too.
0: Oh, couldn't have done it without you, my man. Trust me. We're all part of the same team. And when I think of marriage people, you're on the same team. And being on the same team, you need one, you probably need a coach, two, You need communication three of course, you're going to need money a job, you know, and then that's we're going to talk about some of the earlier jobs that Jeremy had Because Jeremy wasn't always this really uh, great coach really great entrepreneur. He's got a book people. He's got a book We'll talk about that a little bit later, you know Jeremy was a worker bee just like many of you thinking there's got to be something more than what is right in front of my face because you feel it people there is a certain energy within all of us, wanting to get bigger, better, stronger, faster. Whatever your cliche is, you want to change. Jeremy, take us to that, you know, that time where you were a worker bee and you knew that there was something more than just being. And of course, being a, there's nothing wrong with being a worker, but you have that singular task, and there's something inside all of all of us that just wants to be better.
1: Right. So for me, um, out of high school, I went to college, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I was going to study philosophy, which was cool until I read like there was a paper somebody wrote on if you walk around looking for more quarters on the ground, will you find more quarters on the ground? And that was like a PhD thesis. I read that uh, just an abstract of it. And I was like, okay, this is stupid. I can't do this. And I don't want to waste my parents' money because they said, well, we'll pay for college if you go and da-da-da. Or, you know, you want to live with us, then you're either working or you're in college. So I stopped college. I don't want to waste their money. And I got a job in a sandpaper factory. Sandpaper factory is still there. Uh, it's actually a great – they do great stuff. They have great products. They have a, a bunch of patents. They, they did some really cool things to change kind of how the industry operates. But – you know, I was there. I'm 18, 19, 20 years old. I'm angry. I don't know why. I'm frustrated. I want, I want to, I, I, I need, I, I was born, you know, thing in my background is I'm one of two kids out of 10. Um, but my mother lost the other eight in childbirth or slightly before. So the fact that I'm alive and my brother is alive, it's kind of an amazing thing. And so in the back of my mind, there's this thing about why am I alive? There's got to be a reason because I'm one that lived and the other the other eight didn't. So I kind of feel guilty about being alive and being angry. And you know, the, the anger helped me in the sandpaper factory because it gave me a lot of energy to be very productive. But I was frustrated because I wasn't growing, I wasn't expanding, and I've always been a type of person, I love to learn, I love to grow. You know, A mantra for my life has been, you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotting. And there were relationships I had, you know, intimate relationships when I was in high school, and, and slightly outside of you know slightly after that I grew out of because I just kept growing and changing and becoming more and the person I was with didn't keep up and, and no no disrespect to, to her just I was moving and growing and expanding and, and I'm curious about everything I want to know why it works and how does it work and what's going on and what's the thing behind it what connects it together and that can be exhausting if you're not on that same wavelength and so I'm in the sandpaper factory I'm working in the in the winter time with daylight savings here in Ohio, I would get to work before the sun came up. I would see the sun kind of through one of the skylights that there was the those cloudy white skylights you can't actually see outside. Um, and then when I got done with work, if I didn't go outside during a break, when I got done with work to go home, it's dark. So I literally didn't see the sun for five, six days at a time because of just work. And that is exhausting and it's it's soul crushing honestly, because it's just that feeling of just, oh, I never get to see the sun. I never get to feel like my life has any any value. I'm just a cog working all different kinds of machines. And um, the thing I missed, I didn't realize then, but I realize now, I was learning all different types of skill. I was growing in capabilities. I was, I was expanding my repertoire of talents. Um, my work ethic was amazing. And I didn't appreciate that stuff because I was too busy focused on what I wasn't getting to notice what I was. And it got to the point, I just, I can't do this anymore. I want to do something more. And so I started actually checking martial arts when I was 20. And I took my best friend at the time with me. And we checked out a whole bunch of schools. And we found this one place. And it was really interesting because the instructor basically challenged us. And not, you think, throw it on the gauntlet, let's go, let's pound, let's see who's got what. But it was, I've dedicated my life to this system. And I haven't been able to prove it wrong So i challenge you to start studying it and try to prove it wrong if you can and that was exactly kind of the right way to phrase it to make me curious and go i want to dig into this because if i can find a flaw you bet your butt i will find a flaw and it's been 23 years i'm still studying the same system still have the same instructor have traveled the world pan-american champion international champion gold medalist i mean all kinds of awesome stuff but still a hungry student who's still growing and expanding and for me, it was that being in the sandpaper factory, it gave me a foundation, but it gave me like, like there's people I work with here that have been here 17, 18, 20 years, and they're making less than 10 bucks an hour. I don't want that to be my future. No shame on them. If that works for them and their life and their everything, that's awesome. But that didn't resonate with me. It didn't like, yeah, that found my place. I, I got to keep looking. And that's actually how I ended up joining the military was I was at a point, was I going to become a disciple in the system? And so let me test that. Let me test my desire. So I joined the military because it was my father and my grandfather were both military. And, um, you know, I wanted to see is, is this the, is this the path I should go or is that the path I should go? So I went ahead, joined the military as a reservist. Um, there was money there for college, which would be helpful. And, you know, I really missed my connection to the Kung Fu family and being involved there. And that's where I needed to be. Like I could feel it. And so that's, that's the direction I went. And. You know, it's that, that paying attention to that inner voice, that, that feeling of, but I could be more, but I could do more. I could show up more. And it takes, it takes something to listen to that quiet voice versus make yourself wrong. Do what people tell you. You know, oh, my parents say I should get a job. They say I should get this. They say I should get that. Oh, my wife says this. My kids say that. My husband says that. And, it's, and you can, you can take that input. You can respect that from where they are. But at the same time, you're part of the equation and you need to listen to you as well. And does this feel genuine? Does this feel authentic? Does this feel real? Does this feel like me? Or is there something off? Something off? And, and so listening to that voice was like the key to start shifting out of that worker bee mode into something more.
0: People, listen to that inner voice. And it's so different than the one voice in your mind because in your mind, you think of a thousand reasons not to do something. Listen to that inner voice inside your heart, people. That define that, that one or two reasons to do it. I'm telling you, make that impact. That's what Jeremy's trying to tell us. Make that impact. No matter how small or how big, of course, you goes but like big impacts like you know, the world coming to an end through a meteor, like the dinosaurs and stuff like that. With Kung Fu, it's so much, it's so interesting because even the smallest, smallest change in your mindset will create huge ripples. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not five years, ten years, whatever it is, but even one degree off, I'm telling you, or half a degree, whatever it is, your trajectory in life. And let me tell you something, because when I joined the military, I wanted to do 50 years, general, have five wives. You know, ten kids that really didn't love me, just wanted my money, because that I thought was the the idea of success. And before 9/11, let me tell you something that was a huge impact. I just didn't know how huge of an impact for my life, Jeremy's life. That you know, no matter what it was, we I knew that was life was going to change. I just didn't know how much, how far that I would go. It take me halfway around the world, completely change my mindset because. Like in kung fu, it's not so much the punching and the kicking; it's that change in my my philosophy and mindset. Where, you know, yeah, things are gonna start with me, but they don't have to end with me. You know, all those bad habits. Oh yeah, they're gonna be ending with me. Are they gonna end tomorrow? No, people. But like I always tell my Escalante Empire, it's not so much for us because we're absorbing this from the second I say go, hit record, to the, the moment Jeremy starts talking. We're absorbing this and when we absorb it we're really deflecting it to the those inner that those people in our inner circle people the the people that you want the most important the brothers the cousins the people who just seem to can't get a break in life that's what this is for people because when you know that you need help and i'm not talking about help where you need to go talk to a psychologist grab a little xanax little lexapro whatever it is you don't need that kind of help, people. You just need to change and make that impact, that one little notion like, you know, who am I? Where am I going? Just keep it simple, people. And then getting back to Jeremy here, you know, Jeremy is such a, a great person because he can see the value of Kung Fu. He sees the value of coaching. He sees them uh, of, because you ask a lot of people and they're like, you know, that's kind of all the same thing when you're married because you're con- constantly battling you don't go into a marriage to battle, but be, be prepared, people, because when you want something, when you go to the mat, to use a kung fu phrase, to get what you want, that could be a huge deal breaker, people, I'm telling you. And I, I put out, I'll tell you how I met Jeremy. I met Jeremy on a Facebook group because I put out something I want to talk about marriage, and I had no idea he was into kung fu, I had no idea he was into coaching, and people and it's just a world of, 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 of a world of knowledge a wealth of wisdom but he didn't get there overnight and he didn't make that kung fu impact to coaching until and then of course jeremy will tell you the whole story so jeremy tell us that story how you got into from the kung fu pan-american champion to being married Married champion. Well,
1: you want me to go into like how we met and all of that? Because that there's there's a story there. It's a good story. I love it. But there's a story. Um
0: Yeah, well okay. Go ahead. Tell us that story how you met your wife. Okay. like I said, I wanted to talk about his marriage. yeah. yeah.
1: So, so this idea of, you know, follow on what I said earlier about listen to that inner voice. So I'm at work and I run my own martial arts school. During the day, I'm, I'm networking, I'm posting, I'm doing social media, I'm doing all these different things. And so I was working on some stuff. I paused. I jump over to Facebook for a minute, just kind of clear my mind, stretch myself mentally, just, you know, go for a walk in my head for a few minutes and kind of shut down before I get back to work. And there was a post that came through about this local business that I knew of and um they were going to be expanding from their current location to another location and autumn who is my wife now um i knew her i'd actually met her in 2010 at a speakers conference it was the women in business leadership i was the guy who was speaking at the women in business leadership the one guy on the poster and so i went around this is a quick networking tip for you business types but at the convention um, they had all the all the business owners you know were out there displaying all the sponsors. So I went through every single sponsor. I got their information, took a picture of them. And then when I got back uh, home, i I wrote up a little review of the event. I put all the pictures up. I tagged all of the businesses and friend requested all the people. So she and I were friend friends on Facebook, but you know she had just had a kid. She was seeing someone. She was like, way young. And I was, in 2010, I was coming out of a relationship. I had a five-year relationship end, and I was still kind of in the in the echoes of recovering myself. So I'm not on the wavelength. I'm like looking at the or anything. If I was like, oh, she's cute. She's nice. Whatever. Did this thing. So every now and then, she would pop through on my Facebook feed. So I found out her family business is moving, and something in me said, you should go say hi. And I was like, no, I'm working. I got to get stuff done. So I pushed that thought aside. I went back to work, and I'm doing more stuff. And then I took another mental break. And while I was taking the mental break, went back to Facebook, just mucking around. And something else came through from her or about her in some way, shape or form. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because I knew the guy she was seeing, she wasn't seeing anymore. But like, he's now listed as her brother instead of something else. And I think they have a kid together. But I don't really know the whole dynamic. And I'm not going to be so rude as to ask. But I'm kind of curious. And I do have a detective brain. But anyway, sidebar, I got to work. So I pushed that away again. And I get back to work and I got to do the stuff I got to get done. So get to a place. All right, good. You know, I'm about done for now. Going to go get lunch. Let me pop over on Facebook for a second. So I pop back over and again, there's a thing about her and her family on my feed. And I'm like, okay, this is the third freaking time I can't go. I have, oh no, wait, my work's done. I was going to get lunch. All right, I guess I'm going to go check this out. So I went over and I went to the store and when I walked in the store, she was there. I didn't know if she would be there or not, but she was there. She had her her little dog. And uh so we just started talking and she's like, Do I know you from somewhere? And I was like, Yeah, you do. Let you try and figure it out. And so it took a little while, but after about ten minutes, she's like, Wait, we met at that conference a couple of years ago. So this is now two thousand thirteen, so it's been three years, haven't seen each other. And I basically was there from one PM to about four PM and time disappeared. Like There was no sense of anything. It was just her and me, and the whole rest of the universe was gone. And I was there like, oh, I bought some keychains for my assistant instructors, and we tried some chocolate, and we just we just had a great time. It was really cool. But then I kind of lost the time, and my brain started shifting back into work mode, and I got to get to work, and da-da-da. So as I'm leaving the store, she's like, hey, we should do lunch. And I'm like, yeah, we should. And then I walk out the door. So totally missed that opportunity there. And then... Like that night I got done with everything. I'm like, oh crap, she said we should do lunch. And I said, yeah, but we didn't, damn it. So I messaged her on Facebook, no reply. And then a week later, still no reply. And then it's first Friday, which downtown Dayton does this thing. First Friday, all the businesses open up, they do specials, there's music, there's food, there's all kinds of crazy awesome. So I know she's gonna be at the store. And I know they were going to be moving their business. So I'm pretty sure life is pretty hectic right now. That's probably why I didn't hear back. So then I, I go. And, and it was July 5th. And school was closed. And I went to go see a movie. And maybe I should go downtown. Maybe I shouldn't. I'm not sure. I'm arguing with myself. And as I'm leaving the movie theater, I'm like arguing. Maybe I should just get a bottle of wine, go home, have some dinner. do the. I find myself driving north. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to go see her. Okay, so I end up going north, end up an hour later, I walk into the store, and she lights up like the 4th of July. She's like, oh, hi, I'm so sorry to get back to you and all this different stuff. And then she's got to go out and work the crowds and pass out some, some guest passes. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'll go with you. And I knew her mom because her mom and I were in a BNI group together, a business networking group. So that's how I knew kind of about the family business so we're off we're passing out flyers i actually have a picture of her that day we went into an art studio a friend of hers own saw some really cool um, things on the wall got some pictures of those and um again time stopped from like 6 p.m to 10 p.m like just being around her there's no such thing as time it's just her and me and yeah there's stuff happening around us but like none of that stuff matters like i don't really remember a whole lot of it because it was just so much fun just bantering back and forth with her and flirting and just playing on all these different levels. And for me, the literal turning point of like everything was, we got back to her store and she's got to work and I respect that. And you know I got to go, my roommate's not home. I got to feed his dogs so I can't stay too late. And there was a restaurant up the, str- up the street from her, for her, for her business by about two, maybe three businesses. And there was some live music playing, and it was this song that I really loved. And I was like, oh, I really like that song. And she looked at me, and she said, well, let's go listen before it's over. And then she turned and started walking to the place. And in my brain, I'm going, no, you can't, because you have to work you need to, uh, the, I'm, like, I have all these priorities for her in my mind, all these rules I just suddenly built up that literally sprang out of nowhere. It's like, but you have to work and da, 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 da. And then she turns back and she grabs my hand and she just kind of nudges me to go with her. And then we go and we sit and we listen to the song and listen like, one or two more songs. And it's just like, holy hell, she just, like, listened to what I said and then took action on a preference that I expressed, like, like, like she listened and, and she responded and it mattered to her. And like, like for me, that was a revolution because it was literally the whole entire world changed because prior to her, uh, other than one other person, I had pretty much dated takers and people, women who saw me and my capabilities and my desire to please and all these different things. And they manipulated me. They they took from me and never played on an equal place, never made me a real priority. And here's this person I've only met like really two times and she's taking action and listen to me. And it was like, that's amazing that's wow like 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 as i sit here now i'm like almost i'm almost tearing up just going like that was such a gift to be given to have somebody respond the way that she did it was absolutely perfect and as i reflected on it later that night it kind of came to me more and more about that was really amazing and that's how i was like i have to see her again this has to happen and so we made plans before we left that night i was like hey what's your next day off? And she's like, oh, I'm off Saturday. I'm like, all right, let's, let's do something. And then she called me, she had to reschedule. this then Sunday is when we had our first and really only official date, which was nine hours from like four in the afternoon to 1am. And it was like, just, it was just the greatest, like, it was amazing. I mean, obviously it was the best date ever. It was the last first date I've ever had because here we are five years later, five, five years yesterday. We met in, in July well, technically I walked into her business in June. By December of the same year we were married. And we were gonna do this big, huge, elaborate thing, and we decided, screw it. Like like we were just gonna elope. And and in five days we planned our wedding and like made it happen. So like December twentieth we decided, you know what, let's just elope and the twenty seventh we got married. Dude, it it, it it was a lot of pain to get to that point on my side and a lot of struggle, a lot of drama, and a lot of just ridiculousness. But that, that movement was just like, oh my gosh. And as I look back on it now, because I, when I met her, I was at the end of about 10 years of pretty intense growth, of which five years was a relationship that I moved into my feminine to try and preserve. And I did everything I could to please this other person who wasn't happy with herself. So nothing I ever did would have mattered because she could never fully receive it because she's too busy making herself wrong. And so for five years, I like tried to save this relationship that, that needed to end. And so as I got out of that, like I went to Tony Robbins, I went to date with Destiny, life wealth mastery, unleash the power within reading a ton of books. I went and got certifications in neurostrategies, neurolinguistic programming, hypnotherapy. I got some really powerful tools to help understand. And so as I'm sitting here appreciating this woman that I just met, and I look back on my life and I can unravel all the pieces and parts, and it just it made it such a stronger impact and increased my desire. As a Kung Fu master, as a Kung Fu teacher, I'm already a coach to my students. I'm already helping them to improve because our system is about space, energy, and time. And about how to be effortless. Whenever there's resistance, that's telling you you're not in proper alignment. You need to adjust a little bit, change your angle a little bit. If there's friction, then you're, you're, you're coming at this the wrong way, either mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, socially. You know, there's, there's these layers you can adjust. And so this relationship kind of brought home. All the things I've gone through in my whole entire life from being, I was abused as a child, which shifted me, um, at a very, very young age and made me just a completely different person than my parents were equipped to deal with. And so that was momentous. And that's really what got me into the coaching more and more strongly is seeing the impact of the mentors that I've had. I became over the last. 10 years up until the point I met her from 28 to 38, I became the person I needed when I was six years old and I got hurt and nobody noticed. Nobody knew how to read the signs. And so, you know, that was the impetus for me. And it kind of came full circle with six years old. I shifted gears, nine years old, decided to be a dad, 38, met my wife, got married, 39, became a dad. So it was a 30 year process of getting my head and my heart in the right place and going through a wealth of experiences Which were painful at the time but i now appreciate that when i've unlocked the gifts so oh it's i i wouldn't trade the journey that i've been on for anything i was i was where i was where i was when i was five i see in my daughter now because she is just a beautiful soul she she glows and she giggles and she just connects with people and She can play with anybody and just like, she's just like, it's cool. All right, let's do this. It's like we've been friends our whole lives. And, And I really, that's who I was when I was five and then things changed. And I will do anything to set her up, to stay the person she is now, give her the tools, the strategies, the mindset, the attitude to maintain. Because who she is now is absolutely amazing. She needs for nothing. Just continue to be who she is. And I know she's going to have pain. And I know she's going to have struggle and hardship. But it's giving her the tools to have the resilience and how to move through it. And my wife and I being models for her of that resilience means we got to share our challenges and our difficulties, not pretend that we're perfect because we're not. Um, the most challenging point actually has been just a couple of about a month and a half ago. And it revolved around a discussion on finances between me and autumn, because, uh, prior to Evie autumn had a job. I had a job, um, we're both bringing money in, et cetera. And then when Evie was born, my daughter was, um, 14 weeks early. She weighed one pound, 1.8 ounces, which is 505 grams for the metric people in the world. And, uh, she was in the hospital for about 13 weeks, two days. And she came home at six pounds, but she came home on oxygen because she had some lung damage from the respirators and ventilators that she was on. And so she's on oxygen. She had a pulse ox, which tracks her um, her vitals while she's asleep. And uh, so Autumn had an emer- emergency C-section, totally unplanned, and um, it took a while to recover physically, mentally, emotionally from that. Um, And so Autumn didn't go back to work for quite a while. And so I ended up taking care of all the financial responsibilities. And unfortunately, I am not the best manager of things because I don't process time. One of the challenges we had for the marriage, uh, for the wedding was, yeah, I need to get a guest list together. And I'm like, babe, you know, you just asked me that a couple of days ago. Can you give it a rest? She's like, it was three weeks. I asked you three weeks ago. I haven't said a word about it. And I was like, wait, what? Because for me, literally, it literally had just been a few days. So for me, trying to stay on top of deadlines and schedules and all these different things across multiple dependencies, it has been a struggle. And so our finances, they're not where they need to be or where we want them to be. To the level that we want them to be so things get uncomfortable things get tight i have to you know manage this or that and i suck at it absolutely and so about a month and a half ago as she's building up her business uh, coaching women you know getting on the same page financially and knowing what's going on it was a really difficult conversation for me because there was a lot of vulnerability there because not having the finances where they want, not being on top of everything as a as a man as a husband as a father, as a role model, a provider i i want to be i see myself in a certain place and to have to admit yeah, I'm not doing very well here, and I do need help it needs to be a team effort and she could get mad at me, she could withdraw love from me she she could there's a bunch of ways she could punish me, and she didn't it was scary for me, and I think her seeing me as vulnerable as I was and being open to the conversation anyway, that actually strengthened our marriage and strengthened our relationship. Because rather than give me more pain than I was already in, she loved me in my vulnerability. She loved me through it. And so it strengthened our relationship. And it's it's allowed us to have a new conversation with each other. So here we are five years yesterday and – our marriage is as strong as it's ever been because of the openness and the communication. And that could have been a completely different thing. I could have gotten my backup and I could have said, you know, it's none of your business. I'll take care of it, woman. You know, I, I, there's a bunch of st- dumb stuff I could have done. And I could have damaged our relationship instead, but it was something important to her to get on the same page. And so for me, that was like the lowest our relationship has gone, um, simply because, it could have gone so many different places or so many different ways. And and I have, in my past, I had relationships where I was given pain for being vulnerable or for not having all the answers or for not being this or that or the other. And there's all these old stories. And the people that I had been involved with had given me pain and given me punishment. And so here I am with this amazing person who wants to be on the same page and really wants to to love me through the challenge what could have been the worst actually ended up becoming one of the
0: best moments. There you go. Esquivel, empire. I'm telling you, communication is the biggest part of a marriage. I, I don't know. I don't, it's not so much the exchanging of information. It's the so much as this is the way I feel about money. This is the way I'm feeling about the relationship. And it's not a, and trust me, people, there are going to be many tests to your marriages. Uh, and if you don't think so, then you're wrong you're you're completely wrong, almost dead wrong because let me tell you, nobody goes into a marriage wanting conflict issues, but these things arise people, much like Jeremy, I'm a people pleaser, and if I don't think everything is uh, everything's good, then there's no problem so and I was totally wrong, and where I don't know. I was missing so much of this marriage thing. I've been married 14 years. And just until recently, we've had the same conversation about money. Um, when we first started, and I had to give up because I'm not a money person, I, I suffer from PTSD, TBI, depression. And the last thing I want or need is money. People, the way, and you flat out ask people sometimes they won't give you a straight answer but ask people how do you feel about money because what they're literally saying we're missing those feelings like Jeremy was saying about money it's not so much the the money or it's the fears of not having money or that that steady income and the life of an entrepreneur is so far up and down and I'm telling you whoo I'm telling you but it's worth the reward how did you guys what, what were some of the tools that you used to get through that, that, that impasse about money?
1: So first thing was, you know, being able to hold space for each other and letting each other kind of, you know, basically give each other the spotlight. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to start forming a reply until you finish everything you've got to say and get everything off of your off your head or out of your heart or whatever you got say what you got to say i want to hear all of it first and then i will process it not before and so being able to do that with each other it's challenging because you you hear something and oh that's not right but you want it, you want to get jump in and 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 cut that conversation or or reframe the thing. It's like, but wait, you don't know where they're going yet. Let them get out what they got to get out. Have the strength and the trust in each other and trust in your relationship to let the other person fully express their thoughts, their feelings. For the feminine, and that's in both of us, it's not women need to hear this, but it's the feminine inside both of us. That feeling is super important because if your wife is giving you all the right words, but you don't feel the energy underneath it is congruent. There's something going to bother you, but if you feel it's all aligned, it's such a such a more powerful place to be. Physical, mental, emotional. If you can get all three of those working together, it's the most powerful place you can be. So, um, you know, mentally, give each other the time and the space to like finish whatever it is you got to say. Emotionally, remember that your partner. This person that you love and have given yourself to, they are speaking their truth and they are speaking from their heart to serve the two of you. Even if you don't agree with what they're saying or the way they're saying it, it comes from a positive intention underneath it. So, you ha- so remind yourself of that. Listen for the love coming through what you're hearing, even when it hurts, even when it's difficult, because if they didn't love you and didn't care, they wouldn't tell you the stuff. They would just wall you off. Right, People think hate is the opposite of love, and that's not true. Hate and love are opposite ends of passion. One's positive, one's negative. The opposite of either of those is apathy. I just don't care. And so if your partner just doesn't care to tell you anything, they have no emotional connection whatsoever, that's a dead situation. You need to get out of it. Or the two of you really need to kickstart what's going on. So emotional, listen for that love, realize they're coming from a loving place and they're doing whatever they're saying is from the from their best place. Number two is let them speak and finish what they have to say. And then number three is we both sat on a couch. Um, we both faced about 45 degrees away from each other. So, so kind of like our knees are almost touching, but we're aimed kind of facing the same direction together, not staring directly at each other because that could become confrontational, not facing exactly the same direction like on the couch parallel towards the TV because then there's no connection at all. So we're kind of aimed at each other or aimed towards the same space. So there's a physical aspect or a physical tool, a mental tool and an emotional tool to to keep in mind and then
0: breathe. Just remember to breathe, holding your breath. You just get more tense. There you go, people. Don't worry. This is a great place to take, take a break. Do not go nowhere. We are going to be making an impact. I'm going to hold Jeremy over. We're going to talk about coaching. We're going to talk about more marriage. Then we're going to talk about his book because I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm going to go pick it up as soon as we get off this call. And do not worry. Stuff happens, people. But once you get back in the groove, that's where the magic happens. So do not go nowhere. We're going to take a quick break. See you in a bit. You need seven habits, just seven. Listen to Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, available on audiobook. To receive your free copy, please visit Ryan Michael Esquivel dot com slash resources and we're back with Jeremy Roadruck and we're making an impact. We're giving you tools. We're giving you knowledge, and we're giving you wisdom. You know what wisdom is, people? How you apply knowledge. Or am I backwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Got it. (laughs) The, The way we do it, actually, the way we do it in our kung fu system is. uh, wisdom is applying your knowledge guided by compassion. There you go, people. Because the compassion leaves room for things to exist, different ideas, different opinions, different thought processes, right? So if you take your hand and put it across your eyebrows and you're full of yourself, there's only from the top of your hand to the top of your head, there's only a couple of inches for the rest of the world. So you don't want to be full of yourself. You want to leave room. But if you're completely empty, then who are you and what do you stand for? It's easy to be manipulated. So we're only going to be halfway empty. So you put your hand right about (laughs) Uh, put your hand right about where your belt is and that way you're half empty but you're half full so you know where you stand and what's important you know your boundaries said that earlier and that way you can be compassionate you can leave room for things because your kids are gonna screw up and do dumb stuff. Sometimes you gotta let them have that experience. And your, your heart says, no, 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 I gotta save them from their danger. But your head says, no, they gotta learn this. And the compassion is like between those two spaces.
0: Awesome, awesome people. Reverse osmosis, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. People, you've been hanging out with me and Jeremy. But well, we're gonna switch gears right now and we're talking about coaching. Let me tell you something, I find coaching so fascinating. My last guest was a coach. This guess and trust me, I did not look seek to find a coach. I did not and something about the stars lined up when I'm talking about this marriage thing. But people, Jeremy, when do we need a coach? Um, well,
1: if you're asking that question, the answer is at least yesterday, but more like ten years ago. <laughs> right. So so think about like anything you've ever learned, right? Well, I started with fire and I invented the wheel. Don't tell me, I'll get this. Right. That's people's mentality. Sometimes when they go into things like, no, I don't even want to coach me, I can figure this out. I'm smart. I know what I'm doing. Or "Or I'll figure out what I need when I get there. It's like, yeah, you can, but you can also waste 10 years of your life. So, you know, how helpful is that? So, so the idea of a coach, really, it's it's somebody on the outside, who can see the patterns and see what you're doing. I mean, the, the families I work with in the martial arts school, like they come in, they're like, oh, my kid wants to do martial arts. Though. We want to work on some self-discipline or some self-confidence. I want them to have fun. But you know, you know, if they're not having fun or they want to stop, we'll let them. And it's like, there's a recipe for success because just if they don't like how it feels, then they quit. How's that going to help in the marriage, college, high school, job, life, exercise, um, anywhere? because there's a whole bunch of stuff we do as adults. I don't feel like doing it, but I made a commitment. I made a promise. I see the need. I see the value. So I go and I do it. So my job as a, as a martial arts master, it really is I'm what I, I, what I call a second line success coach. I'm in your life to help you be successful, but I don't live with you. The people you live with are first line success coaches because your parents, your, your children, even your pets, they're modeling different versions of success. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't form real strong emotional attachments to anybody, really, but I had a cat, Tifrito Bandito, is my little cat Bandito. We got him from the shelter, he was 9 months old, and he was my best friend for 14 years. And he taught me more about love and companionship and connection and support and playfulness than than pretty much anybody else in my life because I allowed myself to have an emotional connection with him. That I didn't allow myself to have with other human beings, even my own parents. They gave me unconditional love, but they didn't have my heart the way that this little cat did. You know, he'd go out in the backyard, and we'd we'd let him out, and he'd go out and play. And if I went outside, he'd like see me, and his tail would pop up, and he'd come trotting over and want to hang out. Um, So, so we're constantly being coached. It's just to what standard and what mentors are we going to listen to? Right. I love working with families. And I can tell parents that your kid is going to switch gears between fifth and sixth grade. They're going to switch into a teenager, and your influence is going to drop. They love you, but they don't respect you because they have their own ideas about things. So the sweet spot I like to work with in the martial arts school is seven to nine years old because we can put some stuff in place to make that whole teen experience completely different, and you don't have to be a jerk like I was. But for the parents to realize you're operating in positional authority because you said so only works for so long – then you got to switch gears. Your kids, after a certain point, usually like 10 to 12, intellectually, they can begin to process cause and effect and chains of chains of action, not to a great level of complexity, but they would make different decisions than you would based on the information available. But when you come in and say, no, you have to do what I said because I said so, you're cutting your own legs off. They're, they're, you're losing your influence. You're losing your rapport. You know, my daughter's four. She wants to please. But sometimes we have to say, no, that's not safe. You're not going to do that. But with my nine-year-old stepson, you know, we let him make more choices. We let him have bigger consequences because we want him to handle things on his own. His mom, by the time she was five, um, Autumn was vacuuming the house. She was helping prepare dinner. She was a latchkey kid of the 50s, but in the 90s. That's how she grew up. And so our kids aren't like that level of everything. They can do their own laundry yet. We're not there. But for Jamie and for Evie, we're starting to teach them how to cook. We're teaching them how to, you know, put together a meal plan for the week and what groceries do we need to get. So we're getting them to start thinking about these things, but we're giving them more autonomy and more freedom. But if no one coaches on this stuff, it's like, oh, you know, I expect my kid to be fully functioning adult by the time they're 18, but then I'm not going to do any requirements. I'm going to do everything for them. Um, we had an exchange student last year, Henry, and his mom, he's, he's 17 years old. His mom woke him up. She made him his breakfast. She made him his lunch. She walked him to school. Like, dude, you're 17. At 18, you're supposed to be a fully functioning adult and you don't know how to do anything. That's a problem. So we helped him over the year he was with us. We taught him a lot of responsibility for coaching. So, you know, we're getting coached all the time. It's just being more deliberate and more strategic about it. If you knew, somebody could help you and your wife to have more love, more passion, better intimacy, physical, mental, emotional intimacy, and more time just to connect with each other. Wouldn't you want to get that information? Whether it's in a book or it's at a seminar or it's a weekend training or it's a video, that's coaching.
0: When you say coaching, you know, automatically that pops into my head when you know, people need a coach. They sing it out. It's when they go to that, you know, things are really bad and things are the worst they've ever been. And people, do not wait that long. If you wait that long, you are in trouble. You're going to need a lot more than Jeremy, but I'm sure you can reach out to Jeremy. You, the thing is, it's action, people. If you want to boil it down to one word, it's action. The action of giving love. See, that's a hard concept for men. Because, you know, it's it's in our nature to uh, absorb all the energy around us and suck all the oxygen out of the room because we're the breadwinners, we're this, we're that. And we're giving, you know, a life to our spouse. And, and in turn, we think, okay, we can be a mediocre parent. We can be a mediocre spouse. We can be a mediocre communicator. if. Only we just do one thing right and be a great provider. And people, no, 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 no. You are the man. And in so in, in biologically, of course, you're a man biologically, but to be the man is it's a it's an outdated concept. You cannot be all things to everybody, but be a handful of things more than one to almost everybody in your life. See, well, that's the good thing I like about coaching because the first thing I learned was how to give love and what love really means. And, you know, we can get caught up in the word love, but when you boil boil down to it, it's the action I give to my children. It's the action I give to my wife. It's the action that I give to the world. And that's and, and to me, that's love. Because I, everything I do for the Esquivelio Empire, it's out of love. Everything I do for my guests, it's out of love. Everything I do for my life, it's out of love. And I learned that um, by listening to coaches and putting myself in, yes, I am the decision maker. I am the master of my own universe. Yes, everything, I'm a benevolent leader, not a mel melna no, is that the word, malevolent Yeah, there you go. An evil leader, a king, so I say that. And the thing about coaching is when you seek out that action, that wisdom, and that how, You're really saying, you know, as a man, I'm ready to grow. Take that action. And I'm going to teach that to my children, to my spouse. And people, just because there's no conflict in your marriage, just because she's not trying to stab you in your sleep, don't think that you have a great marriage. Because after people think that after 25 years they had a great marriage and all of a sudden the kids are gone. You know, the house is gone. Oh, it's time for a divorce. And they scratch their head. And they're just like, well, what happened there, boo-boo? What happened? And it's like, and then after you sit there and think about it, and you think about the signs. And like, oh, I get it now. I get it. The signs were there at five years, 10 years, 15 years. And unfortunately, when it's over, it's over. One thing I like about coaching is they teach you to pick up on the signs. And one of the signs is you're still that scared little kid like Jeremy was talking about at five, 10, where you look to your parents and trust me, even at 45, <laughs> no matter how old you are, you will still look for that person. And if that person is a coach of life of marriage or whatever it is, trust me, people. And the great thing I, the metaphor I like to think about coaching is the prism. When light enters a prism, it bounces, 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 and then it comes out a rainbow. And I'm telling you, that is, it's a wonderful vision to one, and it takes so much energy to move light. It really does. I mean, it's just mind boggling, but we're going to gonna keep it to coaching. And what really brought you to coaching? Because I, I can see a lot of your personality. I can see a lot of the person because Being a person of service, you know, and being a coach, it's kind of like a step up, you know, a promotion, if you will, because you know you know it's instinctively coaching like a second nature. What what really what really gravitates you, Jeremy, to coaching?
1: Well, for me, growing up, I didn't know who I could trust, and so I read a lot and I did cross-cultural studies. I read stuff on. Buddhism, the Tao Te Ching. I read stuff on Confucianism. I read stuff on um, the Upanishads, the Rig So I'm reading kind of the source material on Buddhism. I read Christianity stuff. I read Zoroastrian stuff. I had friend, a friend that was in the Wicca. So I was like like reading and trying to figure out and understand a lot of stuff. And as I was doing that, I would notice people around me having problems having challenges or pains but i had solutions already and it was just like here well have you noticed this have you tried this and as i got a little bit more mature a little older i started asking permission to coach versus just trying to problem solve for people because you ever notice you give advice to someone you know it's solid they don't take it because you gave it for free and they weren't asking so it's (laughs) worthless yep so you've always got to get permission to say, hey, could I offer you a strategy? Hey, could I share a perspective with you? I mean, I always get permission, I always get consent before I, I offer something just so if, if they say, no, I'm good, would be like, all right, cool. And then I, I, I let it go because that's not, that's not the opportunity, right? And so for me, it's all about, it's really about two things. It's about the games we play, which is our behavior. And then it's the stories we tell, which is our justification for the behavior. And when you learn to get control of those two things, Then you can begin to create games worth winning and stories worth telling because we hypnotize ourselves with our story and we put ourselves into a trance. And so, you know, let the world do it to you because they're going to hypnotize you with advertising and all that sort of stuff or do it for yourself, your choice. But human beings are wired to play games and tell stories no matter how old we are. So let's just use that tool. And that's really kind of how I approach it is I listen for what the the story around it. I look for the patterns so I can hear what the story is. And then I can see what the game is. Then we can make changes to the game. Let's just build a game. We both get to win. Isn't that awesome? You feel good. I feel good. We move forward.
0: Yay. There you go. Move forward. And we're moving forward because I really want to talk about Jeremy's book. And then because we're got about 10 minutes left with Jeremy. And this has been a, a really wonderful experience. And Escavillo Empire, please, please reach out to Jeremy. I'm telling you, he's a he's a wonderful person. He's obviously a knowledgeable coach. People do not wait till things get really, really bad and you're looking for more than just Jeremy. Trust me, be proactive. Go look at find Jeremy. And then we're gonna give you links and and we'll talk about how to get him reach connect with him later. what I really want to talk about yeah. <laughs> There you go. Let's talk about your book real fast because, like I said, I've got about 10 minutes, and I want to talk about your book because I, I find books fascinating, and they, it's like a how-to, a roadmap from the people who lived at those times because I, I really believe that we're living in the time in the age of Escavelio. I'm telling you, really. <laughs> so tell us all about your book.
1: All right, so the parenting, it's called Your Best Child Ever. Is this game worth winning? And I wrote that book when I was single, not married, no kids, not dating, but I did have 17 years in the martial arts. So I actually wrote the book with a money back guarantee on the back of it. I've never had to give the money back because um, people read it and they're like, yeah, what could you know? You're a single guy, whatever. They read it and go, holy crap. He knows what he's talking about. And it's because I've been through stuff, but also I've seen the patterns over 17 years of teaching and now I have over 23 years. Uh, but I see the same patterns over and over and over. And so you just, you, you see the same games. You know the result because that game is a predictable thing. So just here's some changes you can make. Here's how to have more focus, more respect, more self-control, more self-motivation. Here's how to have these things, how to grow them inside your children, but how to see it for yourself as well. And all of the chapters are short. They're like four or five you know, pages, so eight, nine, 10, maybe 10 pages of content for most of them. And it's really about physical, mental, emotional, social tools, how to start playing the game differently with yourself, with your kids, with your spouse. And, and there's some how-tos in there, and there's some areas you can fill things out and really get you to start thinking and, and play things in a different way. And I share part of my story as just a, a vehicle to say, hey, here's one map. There are many. Um, and my dad, he read a book back in the 70s called Games People Play, and it was all about like manipulative games. But the problem with that book, I read it probably five or six years ago. The problem with that book is it doesn't give any solutions. It just says, here's the game, and here's what it's doing. And it's like, okay, but how do you play a better game than that? And so when I was a kid, I would be doing something stupid. My dad would call me on it and I'd be like, yeah, but there's this other reason. He'd say, okay, but you should have done this. I'm like, yeah, but da-da-da. he'd say, you're playing the yes, but game. Come back and talk to me when you want to be serious. And he may have been right, but that cut off our relationship and it cut off my desire to communicate with him. Because if you're going to tell me what you think is going through my head, you obviously don't need to even bother talking with me. Just have fun with that. See you later. Peace. And so like from about 13 to 26 I really didn't talk to my dad about much of anything even while I lived with him and ate his food and you know all the rest. So that's not a relationship I wanted and so I wrote is this game worth winning kind of as a as a psychological or emotional counterpoint to that book on is this game you know games people play so that you can actually create healthy games that you and people
0: around you want to play and you can win and everybody feels good. Game on, yo. There you go, people, game on. And from the from the from everybody I talk to, it's it's not so much as winning. It's you get to play the game, people. Play the game. And and it could be a literal game or figure game, but don't get caught up in the semantics of the word game. People, trust me, just get engaged and play. There you go. And look I, I have a lot of respect for anybody who writes a book who puts their wisdom out there and knowledge and stuff like that. But the really thing I like about people who write books is they teach you how to apply their, like their insides, you know, that inner voice, because when you put something out in the world, you're applying that inner voice to the world. You're saying, this is how, kind of like outcomes, you know, if you want your marriage to be better, if you want your life to be better, if this is something that you want, this outcome, where you have a healthy relationship with your spouse, with... Your children. It has to start with you, the person. The, I would say the the eye and the physical eye. The the eye being who you are, of course, and the, the physical eye is how you perceive things. Because the things that we tell ourselves may not even be true. Because for many, many years, like I was telling Jeremy earlier, I thought I had to save my friend who died in combat. And, and that movie kept playing around in my mind. And like, Just recently I had a switch in mindset where something changed and from that it it was the same event played over my mind, but when I saw it, when my mind changed, my friend he was telling me, I'm saving you. You're not supposed to save me. You know, and then in that shift in mindset. It gave me the, the the motivation to start a podcast. It gave me this motivation to reach out to Jeremy to get guests on my podcast. It ignited the fire. There you go. That's the best way I can I can I can put it. And I'm telling you, people, it's a wonderful experience meeting Jeremy. And don't trust me, he's gonna talk about more how to get contact with them. And one final book I mean one final book, one final point about books is that you know that there is a better way out there. There is something you know and I know everything. But how to get to that better way, you can start by getting Jeremy's book. And what's the name of your book, Jeremy? It's called Your Best Child Ever, Is This Game Worth Winning? Available on Amazon. <laughs> and that's an awesome commercial, people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snip that out from the podcast and I'm going to put it all over Twitter and stuff like that. Because practice, people practice. You might not be the best at something and you might not be even the greatest but practice makes perfect and perfect practice just makes you better at what you're doing. People I'm telling you, um, and I always like books that are easy reads four or five page chapters. I like it. I'm telling you, I like audiobooks too. Is, is your book on audible? Uh, it's, it's not yet because it's self-published.
1: Um, you have to have three titles to be able to upload audio. I only have one so far and the audio
0: book. Oh. I do have an audio recording of it. It's about five and a half hours. Because I'm telling you, Jeremy, just listen to him is—he's full of energy. I'm telling you, people, it's reverse osmosis. You can't help but be excited and energized when you listen to Jeremy, and when you you read about Jeremy. And trust me, people, we're always that scared little kid, no matter what, worried about someone taking our toys, our house, our love. I mean, our attention. You never really shake those feelings. You might be able to process them later in life, but you really never shake those those fears. It's, just like it's earth-shattering at 45, 55, even 85, I'm telling you, people, where you take that action, go get his book, listen, and if you need, you need, I'm telling you, you don't want a coach. You need a coach, much like you need a liver and a kidney, all those organs that make your life and your body work, in that perfect system, incorporate a coach. People reach out. And Jeremy, tell tell people how we can get get in contact with you. Uh well you could
1: go to the parentingprogram.com. You could uh hit me up on Facebook. It is uh facebook.com slash Jeremy R dot the Kung Fu guy. I'm the only Jeremy Rodruck on the internet. So if you just do Jeremy Rodruck R-O-A-D-R-U-C-K, you'll find me. Um, I'm not really active on Twitter or Instagram, although I do have some stuff out there. Um, but mostly I'm on Facebook and I have a YouTube channel, Kung Fu Guy, uh, YouTube.com slash Kung FuGai Jeremy. So those are like the three main places is parentingprogram.com, um, Facebook, and
0: YouTube. Reach out, people. All right, let's we got time for the secret bonus question, people. Dun dun dun. There you go. The question I've been using for the last six weeks, and here it goes. Are you ready, Jeremy? I'm ready. Lay it on me. Okay. Some people believe in life that things are meant to be, much like a God's plan. And it's not so much about going to church or believing in the word of God and things like that. It's more of of, of faith. And this is fate dealing us a, a really terrible hand or a really great hand, royal flesh. But sometimes you're going to get some bad hands, and it doesn't mean anything. Or do you believe that in free will where your choices the choices that jeremy makes good or bad or whatever and the consequences from those choices they're all up to jeremy now take a few minutes and you know like i said and it's more of faith and fate you know this is, this I, is the I, way am already, out.
1: I am already ready oh, good, with an answer good, good. Because I I figured out my answer when I was in college and I took the great books of western literature and we read Oedipus Rex. And Oedipus Rex is a story of a king who his parents go to the oracle and the oracle says your kid is going to kill his father and marry his mother and they're like, "Oh dang." So they take him out, you know, get this kid killed, but the the shepherd or the soldier who was going to kill him couldn't kill him, so he took him out to the wilderness and nailed his foot into the ground so he couldn't escape. And that's going to die of exposure, except a farmer found him. A farmer found him, took him home, raised him as his own son. And then, you know, as he's coming of age, they go to the Oracle. The Oracle says, hey, you're going to kill your father and marry your mother. And he's like, oh, crap. And so he runs away from home because he only knows the farmer and his wife as his mother and father. And on the way, um, he runs across, solves the riddle of the Sphinx, of course, because he's a hero. But on the way, he runs into this guy who is like, hey, get out of the way. How dare you? All this different stuff. They end up having a fight. The kid kills the guy. Turns out he's the king of this other, village, you know, this other city. And he ends up in the city. And, oh, hey, you you solved the problem of the Sphinx. And we don't know where the king is. But you get to marry the queen. Turns out the queen's his mom. But he doesn't know that yet. And so years later, they finally figure out. They put it all together and go, oh, my gosh. You know, And the mom is like, oh, all is folly because we tried to to – you know, trick or escape the fate of the gods. um, But it caught up with us anyway. So the idea that for me, taking away from that story, the idea of fate or free will, they are two mutually exclusive systems of thought, because either it's all free will, or it's all fate, it can't be a little bit of both. Because how, how do you create that space of, well, I predetermined this was going to happen, but you got to choose that it happened. And so people do a lot of mental gymnastics to try to make that congruent. The way I look at it is more like from the Taoist point of view, which is the harmony of opposites, right? We know hot because we know cold. Cold is an absence of heat. Heat is an absence of cold. And, and there's a relationship there because we have the opposite side. So free will or fate, it doesn't matter what you call it. You're going to do what you're going to do, games, and you're going to justify how you're going to justify, story, and it doesn't matter. Whatever moves you forward and whatever, for me, whatever creates the biggest impact of positive energy, what's going to help light the world up, You light you up, light other people simultaneously? So for me, free will or fate is a moot conversation. It's meaningless to me because you're going to do what you're going to do. Now, when I teach my assistant instructors, we use two phrases, which is, Everything happens for a reason and it serves me. And then we have another phrase which says, I can find the good in any situation. And those two phrases deal with being at what we call cause or effect. If I believe or if I say uh, everything happens for a purpose and it serves me, that actually puts you at the effect a lot of times because you're allowing external circumstances to drive you. If you say, I can find the good in any situation, you're allowing your internal circumstances to drive you. The thing you can control mostly is your internal, very, very hard to control the external. So whichever phrase you want to use, what's going to help you to have positive energy, positive mindset, growth, expansion for yourself and for others, I would suggest you use that one. So whatever answer makes you happy, go with it and and drive forward. So that's my answer is I don't have an answer because it's it's a moot question for me, which I'm pretty sure you haven't had anybody say yet.
0: No, actually, you are the first. Um, Boom. But I, I, I think it's more to the free will side. If 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 you'll just indulge me, because what you were saying that you know life's going to deal with life was going to deal, and the way you choose to uh, interpret that or digest it, if you will, it's up to you. You know. Yeah,
1: but but you can pull out the Calvinist <laughs> argument that you were predetermined <laughs> yeah. to think that it was your own choice, yeah. and it's like, but that there's just circular logic now.
0: So. But then you go depending on what and then what th- the time of your life or the season of your life, you're yep. looking at this because, you know, when I, I always like to say, the book of your life, you know, every, every chapter is different. It's equally important. But when somebody thousand years from from now picking up the book of Jeremy and reading about his life, you know, you can understand how things are meant to be and you can understand how Jeremy chose things like that, free will. exactly But then, exactly. you know, you have There's to a- start some There's a friend of mine who told me about there was a novelist who was
1: interviewed by somebody and they were like, so what's the point you're trying to make in this novel? And the novelist looked at the interviewer kind of like, you know, are are you stupid? And then then he said, if I could have made the point in anything shorter than a novel, I wouldn't have written a novel. So the idea (laughs) is, you know, what's the purpose of life? Maybe you have to live one first and then you find out the answer at the end.
0: There you go, people at the end. I want to thank Jeremy. Uh, Road Ruck for sitting down with the Escavello Empire. We did have a little hiccup there, but people, don't worry. There's plenty of hiccups in life, and life is the most important thing. And when you share life, you are giving life to somebody else. There you go. And people, don't wait till things get bad. Seek out Jeremy, seek out any other coach you want to, but start with Jeremy. Trust me, people, there are things that just move you, and Jeremy moves us i'm telling you i had a wonderful conversation jeremy thank you thank you sir ryan you've been a great host and uh love your format love your energy i try i try to wherever the energy takes us and try to be open-minded and and give the understanding to people and plus me because that's what we want is someone to listen and have a little bit of understanding and your wife is a really lucky lady tell her i said hello and look for this episode i'd say the Third week in January, fourth week in January. I'm going to write it down right now. but It's probably closer to the end of January. Now okay, that I'm looking at the
1: sounds good. So
0: it comes out every Wednesday. Uh, every new episode comes out Wednesday. 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Because we are in the great state of Utah. The Greatest snow on earth, I'm telling you people. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Jeremy. And take care. Thank you, sir. You have a great rest of your day. I'd like to thank this week's very special guest for joining us. Thank you. Hope everything goes well this week. Hope everything goes well for you this week. Remember three things. Be good to yourself. Love yourself. And after you get done loving yourself, go over and check out the website, ryanmichaelesquivel.com. Have a great week.